It is a rare occasion that I'm up here, but I appreciate uh, Frank asked me to come and to speak. And um, I didn't have a lesson. I thought it was going to be next week, but it was this week, so I scrambled to get up a lesson, and, and hopefully I've uh, got one that uh, will be beneficial to all. You know, we don't have to turn on the news, really, to see what's happening in our country as far as immigration is concerned. We've got people from all parts of the world coming to the United States, and, and, and I don't blame them. We, we uh, are a free country. We have a lot to offer, uh, and those that are living in the oppressed countries um, know that they, if they make it here, they can stay here. And culture changes as society changes. People today have different values than people of yesteryear. However, unlike cultural change, God changes not. From the beginning of American history, the Founding Fathers' Christian influence laid the foundation for biblical principles to lead the people of this great and free nation. Our right to freely worship God of the Bible is an unalienable right given by God and established by the government in the Bill of Rights. The Holy Bible is God's revelation to man and is a guide for the Christian in their daily lives. Timothy writes, all scripture is given unto me, given by me, uh, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instructions in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished into all good works, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. However, the United States has been and continues to be in a death spiraling uh, decline, descent of moral values to the point that our country's sustainability is at jeopardy. One only needs to look at the erosion of the family, the issue of abortion, and the incessant saturation of pornography in our society to affirm a moral decline in America. The definition of morality, according to the American Heritage College Dictionary, reads the quality of being in accord with standards of right or good conduct. Who sets these standards? Does culture set the standards for morality within a society? If so, then the majority of society with certainty will walk the road that leads to destruction, Matthew 7, 13 and 14. But is, it is God, the great I am, that sets the standards for morality. God has given man everything he needs to guide him into every good work. To show that moral standards of the Bible were, were meant to guide the Christian during his travels through this life, it is necessary that we qualify the Bible as God's word. The Bible is a history book which contains within its pages the names of countless individuals, kingdoms, nations, places, and events that have been confirmed through historians, writers, archaeologists, scientists, and scholars. Nevertheless, the atheistic evolutionists along with their radical liberals, have struggled for years to prove the Bible is nothing more than a myth that God does not exist. Others doubt because of alleged errors. For example, the Hittites are mentioned in the Bible 48 times, and particularly the most notable Uriah the Hittite, whom David had murdered to hide his adulterous relationship with Bathsheba. For years, many worldly intellects railed that the Bible contains errors because there was no evidence of a people called the Hittites. However, the tide changed in 1876 
when an archaeologist, Hugo Rickler, visited a city in Turkey and found thousands of clay tablets that proved the existence of the Hittites. There are many, many instances in the Bible that claim the Bible is indeed God's revelation to man. Although this is not proof within itself, many of the writers insisted that the words they portrayed were from God. The Apostle Paul, in writing to the Hebrews, stated that God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophet, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he had appointed heir of all things. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. Peter wrote in 2 Peter 1.22, For prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. As Jesus was praying to the Father in the garden, the night he was arrested, he was praying for the apostles and those that believed on him through their word and asked God to sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. John 17, 17 through 20. God's word is truth. And he has given us his word through the Holy Bible. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, 2 Peter 1 and 20. Jesus recorded saying in John chapter 12, beginning with verse 47, he that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words has one that judges him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me. He gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. Would it not be a tragedy for those who diligently study God's word to be lost in his literary meaning? Unable to understand how God would have us to live our lives? According to Peter, all should be able to understand the scriptures alike. The Bible is of no private interpretation. And rightly so, for Jesus said that we would be judged by his word. Now, if we are incapable of understanding the simplicity of God's revelation given to man in written form, would it not be unfair to judge us by the very word that God has given us to be judged by? Many people say that the Bible has been corrupted, that what they, we have cannot possibly be God's word because mere men were involved in this transmission. But the fact is that many books have been written that list the evidence of the authenticity of the Bible. The Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered in 1947, which was reported to have been written around 200 B.C. These documents have been carefully studied and speak to the accuracy of the Bible. According to the archaeologists, scholars, the Dead Sea Scrolls prove that the Old Testament has been accurately transmitted for the last 2,000 years, and one may reasonably suppose that it has been so transmitted from the beginning. The Bible is the Word of God. The evidence is staggering. For centuries, the non-believers have tried unsuccessfully to cast doubt as to the validity of the Bible, yet there are more Bibles printed than any other book on earth, has been translated in, in more languages than any other book is used in the judicial system, is used in swearing in our president. It contains scientific, medical, cosmological knowledge well before the modern man knew such facts. 
And most of all, it has within its pages the biblical moral standard which man has been commanded from the beginning to abide by in living the Christian life, to be pleasing to God. There are misconceptions with God's law and what laws are binding on man in the Christian age. Some have the misconception that the Christians are to abide by the Ten Commandments. Unlike the Old Testament, the New Testament contains the law of Christ, and so the law of Christ is what the Christian follows in his walks of life, Galatians 6.2. To better understand the purpose of the Old Testament compared to the New Testament, one only needs to read Hebrews chapter 8 and 9. But if the Old Testament is no longer in effect, what purpose is the Old Testament? It is there for our learning, to give us comfort and hope as recorded in Romans 15.4. Paul wrote to the Romans in chapter 7, verse 7, he writes, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, had I not known sin but by the law, for I had not known lust except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. Whosoever committed sin transgresses also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. 1 John 3 and 4. From the beginning of time, God has given man instructions to follow, and failure to follow those instructions results in a simple act. According to Paul, lust, which deals with one's moral turpitude, is a sin. So sin is a deviation of morality. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envying, murders, drunkenness, reveling, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Galatians 5, 19-21. It should be plain to see by the scriptures that these attributes deal with a complete array of morality issues or moral issues. To deal with each of these tonight would be an impossibility, due to time, but it is interesting to note that the first four deal with sexual deviation. Our founding fathers recognized that this country could only survive if we allowed God to have rule in our lives. And that if the people ever ceased in their reverence to God, that his people, the people of this United States, would be in jeopardy. We are in jeopardy. The family is the cornerstone of the foundation of our society. In the first 150 years, our country, the family unit, received a healthy report card. Looking into the 20th century, the father worked to make a living while the mother worked in the home taking care of the children. They were not left to take care of themselves, uh, as most are today. During the 1950s, the majority of the family attended church on a regular basis were regularly disciplined in school and at home, answered to both the father and the mother in all their activities, prayed in school, recited the Pledge of Allegiance. Children were taught to be honest and trustworthy. They were of good character. Divorce was rare. But when there was a divorce, it typically uh, because of an unfaithful spouse. Again, in 1965, the statistics concerning divorce jumped off the scale. 
1974, death no longer was the leader in family breakups, but divorce. And in 1980, only 50% of the children could boast that they grew up with two parents. Children were no longer being raised by two parents. In 1963, leading prayer in school was ruled to be unconstitutional, and so prayer was taken out of the schools. Discipline quickly faded away and was no longer applied. Children were psychologically affected because they no longer had a family structure. There was no one to watch over them, to nurture them, to be a role model for them. Therefore, children have suffered due to the family breakup in America. It is a disgrace for a nation such as ours, rooted in biblical Christian principles, to report the family dilapidation as it is. The number of children born out of wedlock is unbelievable. From the beginning, God instituted the family structure. Very simply, a man and a woman shall become one with each other. Matthew, in his writings, recounts that what Jesus said when confronted by the Pharisees with the questions about divorce. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. They said unto him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? He saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffer you to put away your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. Matthew 19, 3 through 8. A number of truths can be extracted from this statement from Jesus himself. Marriage is between one man and one woman. Not one man with one man. Not one woman with one woman. He made them male and female for a reason. Because of their God-given ability to procreate. A man with a man cannot have a child. And a woman with a woman cannot have a child. It takes a man and a woman to, to produce a child. To have children is pleasing to God. Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward, Psalms 127.3. While the marriage has been, uh, has been instituted by God and children are his reward, homosexuality is an abomination to God and is worthy of death. If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them, Leviticus 20, 30, uh, 13. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use of that which was against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a retrobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, hater of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventor of evil things, disobedient to parents, 
without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who know in the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. The family is the foundation of society. The family unit is important for the upbringing of our children to teach life lessons before venturing out into the world of uncertainties. It consists of a father, male, and a mother, female, and was instituted by God. God destroyed the people of Sodom and Gomorrah for their fornication and homosexuality, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire, Jude 1 and 7. Abortion is a hotly debated issue in America. Before I came tonight, I looked up the real-time statistics. You can find it online numberofabortions.com. As of 4.30 this afternoon, 1,785 babies have been aborted today. As of the year, year to date, in the United States, 906,712 babies have been aborted. Worldwide, since 1980, 1.3 five billion babies have been aborted. Since 1973, Roe versus Wade, the Supreme Court case that gives women the right to abort their children, the number of babies aborted is 60,976,682 in the United States. Why are so many women aborting their children? Is a mother facing death due to some complication that may occur if the baby were born? Is the reason for the abortion because the baby's already dead in the womb? This would be the only reason that I could think of that could condone such moral depravity. There are a host of reasons why women justify having abortions. It would be difficult at best to list every reason for this justification, but However, some do so because they're either too young, can't afford a baby, use abortion of a means of birth control, do so because they were raped or because it was incest, and the list goes on and on and on. But are these a good reason to kill a human being? One might say it's not human. It's nothing more than a parasite until it is born. It's just a fetus. It's not a baby, not a human, has no rights. God, on the other hand, sees it differently. If men strive and hurt a woman with child so that her fruit depart from her and yet no mischief follows, he shall be surely punished according as a woman's husband will lay upon him. And he shall pay as the judges determine. And if any mischief follows, then thou shalt give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burning for burning, wound for wound, stripe for stripe, Exodus 21, 22 through 25. God considered a pregnant woman with child. 
And if a man intently harmed a woman with child, the punishment would be the same as the harm. Life for life. If you take the life of a child, then your life would be taken. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to the city of Judah, entered to the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are, the, uh, are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ear, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. This scripture conveys to the reader that Elizabeth was pregnant with a baby in her womb. And this baby leaped for joy upon hearing Mary's voice. Our Constitution, Bill of Rights, contains the Fifth Amendment which states, nor shall any person be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Abraham Lincoln said that all men are created equally. Where is the right of the baby? Who is speaking up for the baby in the womb? Abortion is an indicator of our culture morality in which we live. We are killing our children at an alarming rate. How long is God going to stand and allow this country to continue down this road before declaring judgment on this people? Sin has permeated our society. It's all around us in every conceivable way. We preach on it every sermon, yet we tend to steer away from the one of the chief sins of all. A sin that has long-lasting consequences on the family unit, which is the anchor of society that God has ordained. And that sin is pornography. Pornography is addictive and is usually associated with alcohol and or drugs. In fact, for some, its addictive power rivals heroin. Once your mind has been exposed to the world of porn, its addictive power keeps drawing you back until it becomes almost impossible to recover. A study was conducted last year in the UK titled Porn on the Brain. Her research demonstrates that the brain of habitual porn users show great similarities to the brains of alcoholics. Another author sounds a similar alarm, teaching that viewing pornography actually weakens the region of our brain known as the cingulate cortex, the region that is responsible for moral and ethical decision-making and willpower. Other research shows that pornography distorts the natural development of personality. The result to the individual is that it becomes difficult for the person to seek out normal relationships. Listen to these staggering statistics. Porn sites. Now, most of you that are on the Internet and know computers will be able to um, realize what I'm talking about. Porn sites receive more regular traffic than Netflix, 
Amazon, and Twitter combined each month. 35% of all internet downloads are porn related. 34% of internet users have been exposed to unwanted porn uh, via ads, pop-ups. People who admit to having extramarital affairs were over 300% more likely to admit consuming porn than those who have ever never had an affair, according to a 2004 study in Social Science Quarterly. At least 30% of all data transferred across the Internet is porn-related. The most common female role in porn titles is that of women in their 20s portraying teenagers. Recorded child sexual exploitation, known as child porn, is one of the fastest-growing online businesses. 624,000 plus child porn traders have been discovered online in the U.S. Porn is a global estimated $97 billion industry, with about $12 billion of that coming from the U.S. alone. In 2016 alone, and I checked this out, this is not a uh, this is this is number is supposed to be good. More than 4.6 billion hours of porn consumed on the largest porn site in 2016. The brain chemical of porn and sex. In an article written by Sam Black, he describes the various hormones and neural transmitters involved when someone views porn and how each in ingredient in this neural cocktail contributes to the problem. When having intimacy with your spouse, dopamine is released into the region of the brain uh, responsible for emotion and learning, giving the viewer a sense of sharp focus and a sense of craving. Norepinephrine is also released, creating alertness and focus. It is the brain's version of adrenaline. It tells the brain something is about to happen. We need to get ready for it. In addition, Two other hormones are released that help to lay down the long-term memory of the cells. They bind a person's memory to the object that gave him or her pleasure. The body releases endorphins, natural opiates that create a high over the whole body, and serotonin levels to bring a sense of calm and relaxation. This system works the way it was supposed to, the way God intended it for it to do when you're having intimacy with your spouse. But pornography short-circuits the system. Instead of binding with the person, you bind with the photograph or the video. Over time, once the person reaches the addictive state, their brain steers them to whatever gave them pleasure, pornography. It does not end there. The more they, in they ingest pornography, which releases these chemicals, the more porn they need to sustain the pleasures they once experienced. The, uh, the drug addict will tell you that he is chasing the high, trying to reach the same level of pressure he received from the first high. Pornography does the same thing. Brothers and sisters, the primary pornography consumer group is boys between the ages of 12 and 17. Teenage girls and young women are significantly more likely to actively seek out porn than women 25 years old and above. 
These issues are not going away. As long as society continues to, to deny proven harms of porn, and a vast majority of people believe the lie that it is harmless. At one point in time, porn wasn't a common issue that affected millions of people, much less all of society. It was a topic that needed to be discussed with such urgency. It wasn't a topic that needed to be discussed with such urgency. But just by stats we mentioned, it seems like those days are over. Porn is a favorite pastime for millions of consumers, and many of them have no idea what kind of harm they're letting into their own lives or the kind of exploitation they're contributing to. It is destroying countless lives. And from what we're seeing going on in America, the future is grim. Transgender issues are on the rise. So much so, the medical industry is gearing up by redirecting resources to build gender clinics and hospital wings dedicated for specialized surgery and many more that are clamoring to get on board with this new development. In 2007, the first gender clinic for children was opened. In the past 10 years, more than 30 clinics for children were purported gender dysphoria have risen in the United States alone, the largest serving 725 patients. Transgenderism is, has made its way into the marketplace, and laws are being passed uh, dealing with the civil liberties of these individuals. It all comes down to money, and the people that are pushing this agenda are some of the wealthiest people in America. What can we do? What can we do to guard ourselves from the wickedness of this deviant behavior? It can touch any of us. We are not immune to, uh, immune to this terrifying grips. Every one of us that has a cell phone is subject to the devices of Satan. Every computer at work or home that is connected to the internet has the potential to creep in unawares, either accidentally or on purpose. How do we combat it? There are apps that can be placed on cell phones and on computers that allow others to monitor the sites they are visiting and our context that's being viewed. Some may say, it will never happen to me, therefore I don't need to go to this extreme. I'm not so sure about that. There are preachers in the Church of Christ that have been caught up in this hideous sin, bound to its pleasures. Some have fought to recover unsuccessfully. This is not to be taken lightly. This is no doubt one of the most addictive drugs on the market. And the pushers have the advantage because they seek you. And they do it through the internet. Parents, your children shouldn't have cell phones that connect to the internet. If you have a computer at home, it should be in the living room where you stay at, facing you. They should not be left alone in their rooms with a computer. We need to be aware of what's going on around us and not turn a blind eye to this egregious sin. The evidence of moral decline of America is stupendous, certainly more than we can cover in a single sermon. Are we at a point of no return? Biblical history would conclude our nation is headed toward destruction. How long will God allow a nation to stand when the people turn their backs to him and commit this atrocities that this country has and continues to commit on the unborn or commit the abominable sins of the flesh.
If we are to change direction and once again embrace the concepts that our founding fathers set forth in by the grace and mercy of God, there is a chance. God said, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal, heal their land. We can make a difference by realizing our sin and then ask for the prayers of the church on our behalf. God will forgive us and his son's blood will cleanse us. If you not obey the gospel, then there is hope for you. If you walk out that door tonight knowing what you know without giving your life to Christ, then you have no hope. The only hope we have is through the blood of Jesus Christ. All you need to do is come forth, repent of your sins, confess Christ as Lord and Savior, and be immersed in the watery grave of baptism for the remission of sin. We ask that you, if you have any need, to please come as we stand and sing the invitation song. They tried my Lord and Master with no one to Preparation for the Lord's Supper, let's all turn to number 365. 